Hello and welcome back to Casting Nuts Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Will Harley. I am joined here with who I hope to be a more regular and a constant and continuous host, uh, Dave Rudot. And we are here to to discuss some really fun topics that we have uh, in the hopper here for today. Um, but before we do that, um, the weather is going to be changing today and we are going to be getting some snow. So we're recording on a Thursday instead of on the Friday because we're not exactly sure if we're going to be able to get in the office on Friday. And so the general comment was, um, as we both gathered for this, was this is supposed to be something fun. And now it's not because we're going to have to go back to work after we're done with this. And so... Um, Please join with us as and, and make this more enjoyable as you, you listen and give us some feedback as to your thoughts into uh, what we are doing here. Uh, but and Dave, will, will, where will they send that feedback? Um, they can send that feedback uh, directly to our ears um, when they come to church or <laughs> they, can, they can reach out to us because um, it does get posted, of course, on Facebook. So they can reach out and, and send us a, a personal message on Facebook or send a comment on the bottom of the link. Or you can uh, send an email if you want to send it directly to, to our show, uh, castingnetspod at gmail.com, and that will get a, a message to us as well. Um, so there's a lot of different ways that you can you can track us down. Most people have my number. Um, I'm sure many people um, are, are going to get your number too um, because they'll listen and they're like, oh, wait, that's Pastor Rudot. He's the one we like. <laughs> and and so they'll they'll make sure that they call you and, and, and give you some good input I on that. I just want your listeners to know my uh, personal email address. I'm giving them my personal email that they could uh, contact. And my personal email address is Pastor Will Harley, H-A-R-E-L-E-Y. <laughs> that is not true at all. <laughs> that is not true. <laughs> okay. Well, this is going to degrade really quickly. So before we have an opportunity to let this go down a, a, a way we don't really need it to go down, um, <clears throat> we have a general disclaimer uh, that uh, the views and opinions that we share on this show are not necessarily the views and opinions of our called church bodies or of the synod in which we are a part. We do uphold the, the um, confessions of which we, we truly confess and know by heart. Uh, well, we confess them by heart, and we will uphold the scriptures, and we will uphold the words of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But if you don't agree with everything we say, that's fine. Turn us off. That's what that's what big people do. Um, if you want to discuss and and have more of a, an opinion on the show, please let us know, and we'll be more than happy to talk about that on a later show. So, without further ado. Um, let's get some intro music and we'll jump on into our topic for today. For those who want to know the topic, it's Bible study. And that's all I'm going to give you. And we'll, we'll get right into it. All right, we are talking about Bible study today, and the reason I wanted to talk about Bible study today is sort of twofold. One, I like Bible study. Um, it is a it is a thing that I have enjoyed. It is a thing that I have found benefit in. It keeps me on the ball as a pastor uh, to sort of prepare for my people something that um, I, I would hope that they would like and something that I would hope that uh, they could grow from. That being said, you know... <sighs> I don't know if everybody finds Bible study to be accessible. I don't know if everybody finds it to be enjoyable or as enjoyable as I do. Because let's face it, I think each pastor has their own teaching style. Some are more didactic. Some are more um, um, uh, lecture-based, right? Some mm -hmm. are more uh, question, you know, like let's do a Socrates type of, of deal and I'll just keep asking you questions until you're going insane and right. saying, you know, is pastor ever going to give us an answer? <laughs> um, so I think there's a lot of differences in Bible study. And then there's also this new thing. And I say it's new, but I don't know if it's necessarily new. Um, but there's this new thing that's out there that we call small group Bible study that are usually lay led, don't have to be. Um, and I guess my my thought on on today's show was you know let's let's have a a brass tacks look at Bible study uh, and 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 really let's focus on 
the, the regular church Bible study that we've grown to understand on a Sunday morning or, or something that's done inside the church. And um, also kind of the opposite of what it would look like in, in, in a small group. And, and what are the goods, the bads, the... The issues we need to consider. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I guess let's start the conversation in, in just saying, um, I, I, I would like to start sort of the conversation in saying, what is the call of the pastor? And, and in other podcasts, we've sort of dealt with this, we've, we've toyed with this idea um, and, and said, you know, what does it encompass? And, and I think the basic call of the pastor, any pastor uh, in the Lutheran circles, and, and I say that because I'm not going to make a statement about outside of the Lutheran circles, um, but in the Lutheran circles, we have on our call document from each congregation uh, a call that quite literally is uh, to preach, to teach, and to administer the sacraments. Now, teaching isn't just confirmation teaching that we teach over with our kids, and it's not just Bible information class when, we, when we're doing um, a new membership type of stuff. Um, I would involve in that teaching also Bible study, that that Bible study is a part of that teaching level for our our people. Of course, the sacrament, administering the sacrament is is done within the church context in the public ministry uh, mm-hmm. where we, we offer um, the Lord's Supper and we offer also uh, baptism as we do it on a corporate level uh, within the church. And then preaching, you know, that's that's the the time frame that that our people give us of 15 to 20 minutes um, where they sit there uh, with their eyes glazed over. Um, and 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 listen to us ramble on about uh, what we have struggled with throughout the week um, in, in the service, and then when they leave, they say, "Pastor, that was a, a great sermon." Um, and if you haven't said that, that's that's me fishing for compliments after a great sermon. <laughs> <laughs> what are your thoughts on the call of a pastor and and that teaching aspect then, um, as it relates to maybe Bible study? Um, I was thinking of Ephesians four. When uh, the Apostle Paul is talking about how he is given the call, so he gave the call for some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be shepherds, that would be us, some to be teachers, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. And we certainly do that in Bible study, equipping the saints for the work of, of ministry, the work of the gospel ministry in their midst, whether that be the ministry of the congregation or their own personal uh, ministry as they are reaching out to people around them with the good news of Jesus. So you would you, you would then view that that it's very a um a part of the ministry that that teaching bible class is is a part of the call of the pastor. I would I would say that yes. Um I would I wouldn't say that the pastor is the has the monopoly on the scriptures that he is the only one that can interpret the scriptures. I wouldn't not go that far. Uh, but he would that would be part of his call is a representative ministry of the public the public ministry is a representative ministry so on behalf of the people that God's God's people have called him to say we want you to teach us the Bible we want us to equip us uh, so that we can do our works of service in both in the name of the congregation and in our own personal lives okay well all right well then let's pursue this let's let's you know you, you said that we don't have the monopoly on on the word and I agree with you um, in our doctrinal framework, we would say that uh, the congregation has, um, they hold the office of the ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to dumb it down in a way that <laughs> makes it more sense. Um, uh, so the congregation holds the, the, really the call of the office of the ministry. And then they, they dictate throughout, mm-hmm. uh, the church, how that's going to play out, and and they call certain people to certain areas. So, so the congregation calls teachers to do a part of the the teaching ministry with our children over mm-hmm. in a school, and we call Sunday school teachers to to do a little bit of the biblical instruction during a Sunday uh, in in a Sunday school setting. We call short term VBS teachers who who are are engaged in those areas. We call our elders uh, to be engaged in the ministry of outreach and 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 tend to the flock and making mm-hmm. sure the spiritual aspect of the pastor and the flock stay healthy. We call councilmen to do the, the work of, of maybe the grounds and, and also some of the wider areas of, of church discipline. Sure. 
And then, of course, we would say that the pastor has maybe the most all-encompassing call, maybe we would say, to, to, uh, to use the, the office of the ministry on behalf of the church. Um, and, and in that call, of course, is the, the call to be a teacher and a preacher and administrator of, of the sacraments and, and, and giving those to the people. So with that, in, with that being said, you know, is it, I, I guess this is the, the, the way that we want to go. Is it wrong to have just the pastor teaching a Bible study or is it more of the, the obligation of the congregation to call others to do this work? And, and if it is, then that brings us into this realm of small group. Yeah, I, I, would, uh, I would agree. It all depends on the, the nature of the congregation and the nature of the members in that congregation. How is it going to best, how can that pastor best serve the congregation that he is called to serve? If the congregation decides the best way for that pastor to uh, equip us for works of service is for him to be teaching the Bible classes. Or another congregation might say, well, the use of the pastor's time, the pastor can't possibly connect to everybody during Bible class and do all the other things because of his call is so all-encompassing. So we're going to use these small groups where the pastor is somehow involved, hopefully, hopefully he's involved uh, in some way with that small group, uh, but also making sure that God's word is put into as many people's hands as possible, and that God can, God's people can do what they, uh, what the Holy Spirit has equipped them to do, is and that is to serve both their community and each other. Well, and I think that that is a really good belief for us to to maybe begin the question on on sort of the pitfalls and maybe some of the the benefits that we have in in organized Bible study in church, and and also maybe some of the pitfalls that we have in. Small group Bible study. Uh, first, I would say that, you know, we all, hopefully all of us, most of us, t- you know, do small group Bible study at home. Uh, but we call it something different. <laughs> we call it family devotions, right? Um, you know, every time we open up um, the meditations and we read around the kitchen table with our children and we read a verse and we read an explanation and we maybe discuss it or the kids ask a question about it and you as the father or you as the mother right. um, answer that. That's a, that's a small group Bible study. It, but I, I think that small group Bible study is, is fundamentally different than the ones that we're going to be talking about in the sense that those small group Bible studies already have a trust factor. There's already a relationship there. Um, and so you're not, you're not, um, you're not implementing something or initiating something that is um, superficial. Right. It, this is just normal conversation. This is what we normally do as a family. And I think that that brings a different dynamic for the home devotion, although it is small group Bible study. I mean, I have five people in my family. That's a small group. <laughs> I mean, you have more. I have <laughs> seven, yeah. That's a small group. I mean, that's almost getting to the size of your regular Bible right. study on some days. Um, and so you, you think about, at least when we were out in the Dakotas, <laughs> you know, my my family is like the same size as the one that shows up on Sunday. Um, but we, we look at those things and we say to ourselves, okay, so so there's a difference between the, the, the relationship that we have with our family and the study that we do there, and we'll call that home devotions, but now we're, we're going to move into this realm of a small group Bible study or, or a major Bible study where, where you know, we want to have those same discussions. We, we want to have those same questions. We want to, we want to read through the scriptures and we want to, to get a better understanding. But unfortunately, maybe that relationship isn't there. So I, I kind of view that as a, as a huge pitfall for, well, and maybe all Bible studies in general. But but a very huge pitfall, especially for small group, because you're you're initiating a superficial construction. Right. I I think you would. I the, my response would be twofold. Secondly, first of all, I can't move to the second point first. Uh, first of all, even in a large group Bible study, it's a superficial thing. It's not quite as intimate as your family devotion. You don't quite have. It's not just the pastor or the the father or the mom not just speaking God's word, but the kids also seeing mom and dad living God's word. So they, they're just not just talking about it um, around the dinner table, table or in the living room, but they're also living it uh, in the kitchen and out in the garage and so on. So you're going to have a superficial aspect no matter whether you have a small group Bible study or a large group. I think, I, I do admit that a small group setting is 
as a superficial, you're trying to create a family, so to speak, of, of believers getting together around God's word. And it there is a trust factor that isn't there in the beginning. And I think what would make that work would be expectations and guidelines for that group. So expectations such as, uh, first of all, when you would start a small group, if you join that group, there would be an expectation that you would actually come to those things and actually participate in some way. Some people are not comfortable participating in everything. Even in a small group, they might say, even in a small group where there's five other people, I'm still not comfortable praying in front of them. So I don't think small groups necessarily solves the problem of people getting more comfortable praying out loud for others in their presence. Uh, the other thing is, is that you would have guidelines as far as what do you talk about? You talk about, you don't talk about others. You talk about yourself in your own walk with God uh, and your own spiritual, not that you would sit there and, and talk about your feelings the whole time, but talk, you, <laughs> nothing more than feeling, <laughs> but just the, just the idea, your own spiritual walk. So I, I could see a pitfall of a small group where someone might say, I don't want to join a small group because those might be little, uh, uh, what would you call it? Like little, um, Packets of insurrection Clicks. rising up against the pastor and rising up against the congregation where it's all about politics of the congregation or even politics of the of the country or the nation where that's what it's all all about. Uh, so if you have those guidelines in place so that everyone who comes to a, a small group, they know that when they're get, they're going to get there, they're going to have people talking about uh, their own spiritual walk with Christ. They're going to limit who they're going to talk about. So it's not going to be about others or the pastor uh, gossip or the politics of the congregation, but their own walk with God, because that's why they're there. They're there to study God's word and what that word impacts, how that word impacts their life, not just in the feeling aspect, but in, in everything. And, and I, you know, I like the idea of guidelines and, and I like that idea, but you know, I, I don't think those guidelines are necessarily separated from um, the same or the, what the, the guidelines that you said are necessarily separated from a, a joint gathering in a in a regular bible study on, on a we sunday don't, we morning. don't have any kind of guidelines for bible class we're just happy that they're there I mean. well i know i mean it's like a free-for-all <laughs> just anything you want to talk about <laughs> yeah usually that's a pitfall of the large group is where people don't want to talk about it because they don't want to share in front of a huge group uh something that's on their heart but they may share that in a smaller group if obviously if that trust has been built Sure, and, and so I can see the I see I can see how having a, a small group Bible study, making sure that it it starts with the the fundamental uh, idea of guidelines um, in place is going to be a, a very good thing. I, I would like to also maybe just just a, approach a question. I, I I went through in in preparing for this just to sort of get an idea of where I might like to go because you know I don't I don't want to seem like I'm against small group. I'm not necessarily against small group, but but I do have um, hesitancies that that say eh, I don't know. I, I don't know if I, I can I can I can go all in on this. And, and so I went and um, I found uh, an article that was written by um, um, a guy from. Um, more reformed slant um, congregation, more of a, a big, big mega church type deal, and and the article that caught my attention mostly because I was looking for it um, was uh, why churches should euthanize small groups um, and and euthanize in the sense of get rid of you know they shouldn't be a thing, and and so some of the points that he makes um, you know we are we're slowly talking about, but one of the things that that he makes a comment of in his paper uh, is that um, he, he raises this question, can, some, can someone lead people to a place they have never been? And, and I, I, I ask this question in a sense of not because I want to, to discredit uh, a small group leader or, or, or things of that nature. What I'm asking the question for is, is really in the sense of Pastors are trained to answer and to explore these things. We've, we've, we've. It is our life study to do this, um, not because we're better. It's just because that's what that is what our calling has been. That that our life study is to live in the scriptures. I mean, um, that is it is one of the the greatest parts about the job I love. Um, 
So we've we've been there, we've walked that direction, we've we've gone down these streets, just like a just like in preaching, you know. Um, it hurts every any pastor you ever talk to. It hurts them when they have to go out and, and preach on a Sunday. And you're like, but that's like the best part of their job. No, it hurts us because we have to cut so much out of the study that we've done the whole entire week um, that that our people just couldn't handle all of that because they would have to sit the entire week living with that text. And, and so we cut so much to make that 15 minutes or 20 minutes meaningful to you. And, and we're like, oh, I just ripped out a part of my soul mm-hmm. because there's so much more that we could have talked about. And, and so we've lived it. We've walked down those avenues. You know, we, I mean, we could have whole podcasts of um, afterthoughts of the sermon mm-hmm. that we went in and said, okay, now here's the real study. <laughs> <laughs> What you might have missed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then you're, you'd be sitting back and going, holy cow, you take out all the illustrations that pastor put in there and all the, the, the pregnant pauses so that people could chuckle. And he only gave us like 10 minutes worth of what he spent a week on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's about right. Um, and so I'm wondering if, if there's a pitfall, if there's a pitfall in small group ministry with the leaders, and I have nothing against the leaders. That's going to sound horrible, and I don't have anything against the leaders. But is there a pitfall if if the leaders haven't walked there? And, and, and I guess maybe is there a way to circumvent that? Is that more teaching on the, on, the, on the behest of the pastor? Yeah, I think if the pastor is preparing the leaders beforehand with the scriptures as, and, the, and giving the leaders time to disseminate the information. So if you have a, a small group on Tuesday – and you give your, your leaders all the information on Monday, maybe they need a little bit more time than just a day to go over the information themselves. So it would be important, I would feel, if, if, if you have a small group that the pastor, as he prepares the materials for the lay leaders, that the lay leaders would have time to disseminate that information before they share it with others. I, I really I value your, the, your initial question is how can... How can a pastor, how can somebody, what was the question again? How can, I wrote it down, but I, I can't read my own scripts. I'm talking about can someone lead people to a place, place they have never been? been. Yeah. Um, that, my, my reaction to that is sometimes when you're in a bigger group, you may not, you be able to, you can be able to lead people to a place that they've never been, but the people that you would be able to lead would be the vocal ones, would be the loud ones. What about the the quiet one sitting in the corner that you have no idea where they're at? Could they possibly have a, an environment where they could express themselves? And so then that leader could, as they're doing that constant contact with the pastor, uh, not just when the pastor gives them the information, but then a pastor should, I believe, the pastor should follow up with those small group leaders. How is it going? What are some of the things you talked about? How did the questions go? What were some of the... What are what some of the discussions that you had so that the pastor is also, I think uh, you brought this up earlier in the podcast, where there's a dis- disconnect between the pastor and the members of the congregation because he's not actually there witnessing them talking and and discussing. Well, and, and I, I mean, that brings up a multifaceted amount of conversational points that, that I think we, I mean, I'm, we just don't have a time in the day to, to pursue all of them. But, but I... And I agree in the involvement. I think that's that would be one of the five, if you're going to make a list of five things that need to be um, in a small group, you know, guidelines is is number one. Um, also, that, that there is definitely a pastor's role, right? Um, that you need to have um, the pastor active in some way to make that work. Now, my, 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 my question, though, and I think you, you sort of, you sort of, put a hedge around it so you've already answered the question is you, you can't have a pastor I mean if you think that a small group Bible study okay let's just we'll throw it out there the possibility of a small group Bible study okay it could be good it could be very beneficial but if you think that it's going to put less work on the pastor <laughs> yeah, right. it, it doesn't seem that if your pastor's doing it right and and if he's working with so that he can equip which is Right, mm-hmm. part of the call of the pastor. Right. If he is to equip the people for service, and he's equipping these leaders to serve, well, they need to walk down that road first before they can take someone else down there. So, who are they going to walk it with? So now you're you're still asking the pastor to walk down that road, and then to go and take someone else and lead them down that road. And as they're leading them down that road, stop at every single flower, 
and say, okay, someone might ask a question about this flower. And, and so you need to know about this. Right. Or someone might ask why the moss is growing on this side of the tree. And so you're going to have to be able to answer why this moss is growing in this side of the tree. Or someone's going to say, you know, why is this stone unturned? Or, uh, right. you know, um, what's underneath it. And you're going to be able to have to answer some of that. And so, you know, you're going to, you're, you're ending up for each of these small group leaders, taking them through and saying, okay, um, we're going to walk you through each and every ebb and flow so that you can take someone else and walk them through each and other ebb and flow. I think with the uh, small groups, another thing that with part of the guidelines might be is that you're, your small group leader isn't asked to be the pastor. So there might be questions where the small group leader says, I'm going to have to forward that on to pastor because to, to put all of the, all of the weight of a pastor onto the small group leader, I don't think is fair. If the pastor equips them and says, here, here's the stuff I would like you to talk about. Here are some of the questions I want you to go over, or these are some good things to, to, to look at. Maybe here are some pitfalls, some things to be aware of. Uh, but the pastor isn't going to give them the whole fire hose of everything of that of that scripture, nor is the leader expected to be able to answer every question or concern. I don't think that's necessarily the point of a small group isn't necessarily to make a pastor's work less. Well, yeah, and I, yeah, I like that. It's not maybe to make the pastor's work less, but I think that's where another... Uh, fear or deterrent is for the pastor's mind um, when he's approaching these concepts of a small group ministry or a small group Bible study. Because the small group Bible study, you know, I'll be the first to admit that I've had it run through my own mind. You know, sometimes the best person to get the job done is myself because I know how to get the job done. <laughs> yeah. And And so we think to ourselves, well, if I have to train someone else to do this job, why don't I just do the job? Yep. <laughs> And but then but but you know so I can see the pitfall. I, I I definitely see the pitfall on the one side of saying, well, I have a Bible study. It's every Sunday. You come to the Bible study. I will download the information from my brain into your brain, and that'll be it. And and we're good, right? Um, but I I can see the the idea of maybe that's not for everybody because there's they they don't have that relationship setting. Mm. It, 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 to the point that they maybe would like. Um, some people maybe thrive very, very well in that setting. Uh, my wife does not like to communicate um, and talk about, you know, her walk with 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 the Lord with other people present. But she gets a lot out of Sunday Bible study. She would not want to go to a small group Bible study. That is like not her thing. Mm-hmm. You know, she she comes on Sunday. She loves to sit in church. She loves to sit in the Bible study. She likes to learn. And then she asks me questions at home, and says, um, "Explain this to me." She doesn't want to do that in 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 a more formal setting. Um, but then again, you might have those other people who think, you know, I maybe would would I don't like to sit with the the white tables over at church and on those really straight back chairs that make my butt sore. Uh, I'd rather sit, you know, in a living room where I could lean back on a couch and um, have a discussion with with maybe people that um, I'm gr- I'm growing to be involved with. So I can I can see both of those things. But but as a pastor, there's that little bit of fear that says. You're not there to nip false doctrine in the bud, right? You're not there to to pull back from a conversation um, and say this is not going down the right path because if we follow this to to mm-hmm. this conclusion, this is where we're going to end up. And, and I think there's a fear in us because we are the shepherds, um, and and I think it's a healthy fear that that we are the shepherds that say we are responsible for what is being confessed and and what is being relayed within the congregation. I think that's a, a valid fear. I think we also have to balance that to are our members actually encouraging one another? Are they actually building one another up? Is there a better way that we could be doing that? That members could be praying for one another, members could be encouraged, like actually knowing about other people's lives rather than the superficial stuff that you only get, you know, five minutes and on a Sunday morning where people are, if they're in an intimate setting like a living room and they have a chance to actually open up about some things that are going on in their lives, so spiritual struggles that they have, are we, in, for the sake of um, keeping our doctrine pure, 
are we neglecting that area of what we should be doing as well as pastors is to encourage God's people for works of service, that they're not serving one another, that they're not encouraging one another, not building one another up because we're trying to protect our doctrine. Well, it sounds a lot like you're you're coming up with a uh, an, an, uh, number three of a five step plan um, that you're you're almost hedging on. This is an accountability thing that in small group Bible study you have more opportunity to hold people accountable to the encouragement uh, and hold people accountable to their their abilities to serve um, than maybe you do in a more corporate setting. A- am I misinterpreting? Yeah, yeah that? that's yeah, that's. I guess that's what I'm saying. I'm just thinking out loud. I'm trying. This is a new thing for me. I normally just sit there and think things through and think them to death. But uh, you're you're pre- you're uh, making me think things out loud, which is not my normal thing to do. Dear listeners, see, we have uh, in the room here. We have two people that that fundamentally approach thought in in a different way. The way I approach thought, for anybody who knows me, is um, I have no filter, and it just kind of flows out of my mouth. And as I talk, I can I my thoughts sort of sort of become more concrete as a, as people react to it. And then I'm like, ah, now I formulated a real opinion. Whereas um, my uh, counterpart here, he uh, leans back in his chair and he stares into the ether. <laughs> and every now and then you'll see his hand reach up and he grabs this invisible thing and he pulls it down and it's there. And he has a formulated opinion, and it is beautiful, and he, he relays it to the rest of us. So we have two different ways of how we get there. <laughs> so, so, so if we were going to say, you know, we're building this idea of, of Bible study, and, and, and maybe these would apply to all Bible studies, but maybe even especially to, to small group Bible study, we would say that, okay, we have that pastor's role. He's, he's there. He needs to be a part of this. Um, and not necessarily making his job easier, but but saying I'm going to have to be there and and hold my leaders accountable to communicating with me and communicating with them, and um, knowing what's going on. If there's people who are struggling or questions that I need to answer or guidance in all these different areas, uh, we would say that there's got to be some guidelines. You, you got to have rules, right? Something has to be be said or not said or or whatever. Um, accountability, um, maybe, and and I would love to say there's we should have more accountability in 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 the uh, adult Bible study or in the, the 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 church area Bible study. But let's face it, um, we can't really hold people accountable to that. Be that's brilliant. We can, but we can't because it it's kind of an optional thing. I mean, it's something, okay, well, pastor's going to offer it, and if you show up, you show up. If you don't show up, you don't show up. Mm-hmm. Um, so so we have three fundamental things that we, we might want to work on. Is there anything else that we might want to add to that before we, we jump on to some of the goods and bads of, of both? And we've sort of been discussing some of those. What are the but, three things again, Will? Well, we, we have guidelines. We have uh, pastor's role, um, and, and we have that there's accountability. Okay. Um, and, and so... I don't know if 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 there's something else we might want to put in there. Um, I I suppose maybe we should have a conversation about structure, um, because you know you come you come to a, a Sunday Bible study and and there's there's typically a structure. Um, there's a framework in which we 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 conduct ourselves and the framework in which we present ourselves and say okay, so pastor comes with a worksheet and yeah. and that worksheet is, I mean. I don't know how your Bible study is. My worksheet are are pretty much options of if you have nothing else to talk about here, pastor has some suggestions. Um, but but I know there are a lot of pastors that I've I've and not it's not bad. I'm just I'm just saying there are a lot right. of pastors that have said, you know, I'm I hold myself to that worksheet. I hold myself accountable to that worksheet, and I don't get off topic, and I just follow point to point to point to point to point, and then you're done. Is that different in a small group setting? I, I just to speak from my own personal ministry experience, I have served in congregations where I, when I came fresh out of the seminary, that's exactly what I did. Here's the worksheet. We're going to stick to it. This is the question we're going to ask. Then we're going to ask that question. And we had very little, very little interaction. It was like, you know, crickets. It was like the Ferris Bueller's day off, you know, Bueller, Bueller, Bueller. And then one time I did a Bible class where I just said, forget the notes. We're just going to open up the Bible and read. And I had a bunch of notes. It was actually more work for me because you're you're preparing for anything. could come from anywhere instead of just saying, well, I prepared. These are the things. This is where I wanted to go. And that went really, really well. That went gangbusters. 
um, lots of conversation, lots of people talking, lots of people, lots of conversation between the people as they're encouraging one another and talking about uh, life and so on. So it just everything just seemed to come alive. I went to the next congregation. And I said, "Well, it worked here, so I'm going to go and we're going to open up the book." And the next congregation I served was a congregation where they a lot of college age, uh, college educated. And they wanted the worksheet. They, you're like, what? We're just supposed to respond? No, you need to give us a worksheet. We need to, we need to give an answer to, uh, an answer to the thing. So when it comes to uh, Bible class, it all depends on the type of people that are in it. So if you have a, uh, a Bible class, a corporate Bible class on Sunday morning, you have to pick, a pastor has to pick and say, well, predominantly my members are this, so I'm going to have this kind of uh, Bible study. Or I'm... That's you, you have a choice. You that's you have to pick one. You can't just say, "Well, we're going to have fifty thousand, and I'm going to be at all fifty thousand of them because I won't have any time to do anything else." However, and the same thing with the small group. The small group also has to operate the same way. There might be some small group ministries where they like to have a sheet and they follow the sheet. There may be other small group ministries that would say, "Well, we like we we want to we have a topic that we want to talk about. We want to read the scriptures definitely, but we want to have some room for people to interact." So that's the end of my thought, Will. Why? Well, I, so, I mean, small group offers some flexibility where you can, and, and if one doesn't work one week, you could probably change it up the next week. Right. Whereas, in, and, and <clears throat> maybe it's because of our training or whatever, but like you said, by and large, as pastors, we, we present our Bible studies in one way. I mean, they, that is what you get. Um, <laughs> like it or not, that is what you get. And and I'm 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 I am more didactic in my presentation of Bible studies. Um, I love conversation. I'm not afraid to engage in conversation, but I am also a person that in the middle of the conversation, I am, hey, there's an idea. Let's download that, um, and we'll unpack that, and I will shove it into your brain. <laughs> Um, and, and then we will move on. And, and so I, I, I'm just that way. I'm very spitfire. Um, you know, I, I throw my Bible studies on a normal Sunday. We were going through important chapters of the scripture. So almost every book we walk through, we're doing an important or a couple important chapters of it. And I'm just throwing the text on the board and okay, we're reading and oh, hey, here's this study and here's this word, you know, kind of has this nuance and, and I've been thinking this and what are your thoughts on that? And then at the very end, I'm like, oh, I had five questions that I put together. I don't know if we really covered them, but let's just run through them very quickly in the last five minutes of class. <laughs> no more questions. We're done. <laughs> Which maybe is a blessing to some. But maybe it's, it's you know, um, maybe they find that distracting. And they said, I would much rather have um, read the text, answer a question, read the text, answer a question. Don't don't get into the nuance or the flavor of the text. I See, to me, I find that to, to be, and, and that's just who I am. I, I find that the scriptures come alive, and so I'm, I'm that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could definitely see that, and I'm not very flexible. I mean, I don't know if I could limit myself to saying, okay, now we're just going to read the text. I'm not going to comment. I'm just, we're going to read through the text and, and I'm not going to say anything. And then we're going to ask these five questions and then we'll be done. And we could probably finish it in 19 minutes. But I like taking just over 45. <laughs> <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think uh, this leads me to an interesting thought of just uh, as a pastor trying to grow as a pastor trying to figure out different ways of teaching the bible like sometimes you you find something that works or that seems to work and you stick there maybe you should be limiting yourself saying okay for six weeks i'm going to do this this style of teaching and then for six weeks i'm going to do that style of teaching um also doing that in the promotion for that bible class we're gonna have a bible class like this it's going to be different than that than usual pastors going to have a bible class with this style in some way. I think for small groups, you'd also need to have that too. You'd also For the small groups, you'd also have to have your small group leaders may not always be a carbon copy of the pastor, so they have their own style to do things. But if you're going to join a small group, there should be an off-ramp where you'd say, okay, after six weeks, this isn't working for me. My only other option is to, to leave the small group altogether and not be in Bible class, and that's not a good option for me, in my opinion. You should be, if you're trying to be equipped with God's word, you should be somehow equipped with God's word. So giving off-ramps for small groups to be able to say, okay, we're going to only meet for six weeks or whatever the um, limited amount of time is, and then we have an opportunity to say, 
you know, goodbye, no hard feelings, and then start another group. The group might might find itself saying, hey, we work well together, let's join up and be together again. That's fine. Just always having that option so that there's no hard feelings and so that people are still in God's word and if they find that something doesn't work for them, they can go somewhere else instead of abandoning God's word altogether. And I like that idea. I really do. And, and, and you know, I, I, this comes part with the, the accountability. And I think even as pastors, um, one of the things that we need to be accountable to is that our job is not a one and done. We, we went to seminary. Um, we, we took our classes. Um, we read the, the Book of Concord. Um, we took our tests. And now we're ready Yay! Woo! You know, um, we have every answer. I, I, I think, you know, just like we held our, our teachers accountable within our synod, we say you have to go and do extended learning. I think that we are starting to learn within the, the pastorate, right? Mm-hmm. The ministerium. That's a really big word. It just means a bunch of ministers who gather together. During that, in that ministerium, we've said you, you can't let yourself, um, you, you can't let yourself get stagnant. You know, you, you have to continue to, to learn. Your, your library should always be continue to grow uh, and be growing until you're out of the ministry and you say, I'm no longer going to be a pastor to people. Mm-hmm. Um, that you're, you're, Really, your library should always be growing with more and more uh, um, either devotional materials for yourself or, or educational materials in some way of, of how to become a better teacher or, or you know, I could, I could count on my shelf like five or six different books on, on how to be a better preacher. And, and I try to take elements, you know, every three months or so from one of those books and say, how am I going to incorporate this into my sermon? And maybe you're right. Maybe that's what we need to do with our teaching too. Okay, how do I incorporate a new tactic? So here's what I've, and, and this is just a, a random thought. Here's what I've started to do here in 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 um, at St. John's. I, I never did this before, um, mostly because when I was in winter, um, we never stopped doing Bible studies. We had we had Bible studies all year round. So Sunday Bible study was a thing all year round. It, mm-hmm. it never ended. So we would do like different topics, and we would say, okay, what do you want to talk about for the next eight weeks? Sort of like what you did. Um, when I got here to, to St. John, we kind of said, pastor, what do you want to do? And I said, I don't know. I threw out a bunch of different stuff and they said, well, why don't we just study the Bible? So we, so we started this. Always a good idea. Always a good idea. You know, you don't want to ignore the Bible. (laughs) Um, that's where we, that's where our nation has gotten into trouble. We decided to ignore the Bible. (laughs) Sorry, political comment. Um, But so we, we decided, so they said, okay, let's just study the Bible. So we did. So we, we've been going, you know, every, you know, important chapters throughout the scriptures. And they like it. No one has expressed, oh, I don't really want to do this. Has it gone longer than eight weeks? Well, yeah, COVID put a damper on that too. Right. But if you're doing, I mean, you, you have 66 books. If you do one chapter for one, just one chapter in one book, one week, that's, that's you're over a year. We're doing multiple chapters sometimes in a book because, you know, like Psalms, you have different types of Psalms. So you do you do different chapters that express those different types of Psalms. Or like in Proverbs, we, we did, you know, we did Proverbs chapter one, which deals with here's the overarching idea of Proverbs. And now we're going to do Proverbs chapter eight because we, we wanted to say, where's Christ in Proverbs? I need Christ in Proverbs. And chapter eight is a great place to go to see Christ in Proverbs because wisdom is personified in a beautiful way. And, and, and because Christ is the wisdom of God. So we, we have this connection. But, but then, you know, you, you deal with these things. And so what, in, in, in St. John's, they stop. So end of the school year is the end of Bible study. And that was weird for me. I was like, I, I'm suffering from withdrawal. I was, I, was, I was suffering from Bible study withdrawal. So to follow what you had made, you know, that, that there's an off-ramp. Uh, in August, we do a four-week my uh, pastor's choice, mm-hmm. <laughs> four week pastor's choice Bible study in the evening on a Wednesday night, and and it's just in August and it's an hour long, and you come and and it's just four weeks of whatever pastor wants to tell you, and and we started it last year um, during during COVID we 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 still met we had fifteen people that showed up, and uh, we did we did just an introduction to apologetics okay. for four weeks. Everyone left and like, wow, that was deep. <laughs> and I'm like, pastor's choice. <laughs> um, but there was an off ramp. After four weeks, I wasn't going to talk about it again. 
Yeah. I, I'm not going to, we're not, that's done. Not that I don't like to talk about it. I love that topic. I, I read about that topic. But but like you said, there's an off ramp. So so you don't have to, okay, I'm I'm pigeonholed into this now for, so I, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly, uh, way off topic, but I agree with you wholeheartedly that I, I think that it, not just in a small group where there's an off ramp, a limited time, but I, I think there's, there's a benefit in, in, in our actual Bible studies and pastor run Bible studies that, that we, we have an opportunity for people to say, okay, I, I want to disconnect. Um, or I can disconnect from this topic, not disconnect from God's word, right. but disconnect from this topic. Um, and if that means that we're going to do, okay, every week is a new Bible or every, every week is a new book of the Bible. You have that disconnect. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't want to talk about Proverbs for the next three weeks. Okay, that's fine. But that doesn't mean you have to leave this, the Bible study because after three weeks, we're starting something new. We're in a new book um, or, or something like that. Um, so I, I guess if we're going to put our, our, our minds together, you brought up a, a, a great one. I think that, that brings us to maybe five. I, let me just do a count. So you said uh, off-ramps or, or limited time, right? Mm-hmm. You, you said accountability. We have guidelines. We have pastor's role. Uh, and we have some flexibility. Does that, that give us five? Yes. All right. Well, then, um, with 15 minutes left of our podcast, and we have five, we have five awesome, awesome uh, guidelines maybe for what a small group ministry can look like, um, maybe what we should do now is um, talk about them both in general. Bible study small group Bible study, what's the impression that's given um, between the two? Well, that's uh, asking people to read, asking us to read minds, uh, but you're asking like what what keeps somebody from coming to Bible class? Yeah, yeah, what what's the stigma? From, what's the stigma? Okay, what's the stigma of Bible class, the stigma of small group Bible study? Uh, without reading, Recognizing, I am going to be reading somebody's mind, and I can't read people's mind. But I think some. Why not? That is a spiritual gift. A spiritual. (laughs) (laughs) Where's that in hesitations? Uh, Bible class, something where somebody would say, "I don't want to go to Bible class because I don't want to read out loud." Uh, Pastor, I that was one thing I learned in ministry where uh, there was I had a member, and I didn't discover this till too late when I called on him to read, and he didn't really want to read, and so he read didn't do it very well and then he told me afterwards you know please don't call on me to read so that might be something where as we were talking about before the style of the pastor uh being open to different styles of of preaching not saying what you as a pastor are comfortable with is that the way you have to teach bible class but trying to look at your own method of teaching and saying is there some way i can grow is there some way i can do this differently that might be that might cause me a little bit of discomfort but might uh, help the, the person sitting in in the Bible class. So the stigma of the Bible classes, am I going to be asked to read? Another stigma of Bible class is I don't want to look stupid. Uh, I don't want uh, to open my mouth uh, and uh, have everyone say, oh, I can't believe they've been a member here for 20-some years and they, they said that. Or they don't know that. But yeah. they don't know that. Yeah. That, that can be a stigma. I could definitely say that because I tried it. You know, the first one that you brought up, uh, they don't want to read the, the scriptures in front of everyone. I, I kind of circumvent that by by me reading it. Um, and, and that circumvents that hesitancy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can definitely say that there, I, I've had people after class come up to me privately and say, I had a question about XYZ, but I didn't want to ask it because I'm pretty sure everyone else knew it. And... And you could tell that there was maybe some embarrassment there, that they didn't know it. Um, so I could say that that was a definite. But how is, I, I don't know if that stigma is any different, though. For a small group. For a small group. Well, you would have less people. So if at that small group, as they got together, there was trust built up, then you would have, make that person feel more comfortable. That's, that's what my assumption is, that that person becomes more comfortable because then only five people know I'm stupid rather than 40 or rather than the leadership of the congregation, or only five people know I have this issue, that I'm struggling with this instead of the whole uh, Bible class. So that might be one way to circumvent it, even though there, even, that still would be an issue, I'll admit, 
even in a small group where people are, don't want to share what's going on or read the Bible or to pray for one another. I think uh, we, we were talking about this beforehand about uh, prayer. Even in a small group, I don't think people would be that comfortable praying for somebody else in a, in a small group setting too. It just It's such a personal and intimate thing to pray to the Lord. However, on the other hand, you have the scriptures encouraging us to pray for one another. James 5 or 16 says, um, pray for each other. Um, so that's something that, that uh, what makes our church community a community, that this is the way that God designed it, is to be a community where we are helping one another, not um, showboating our intelligence or showboating our spirituality in front of each other. Well, and I, I and and here's a here's a question that 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 maybe needs to be asked. Then, would some of that be taken away from our impression in the overall Bible study led by a pastor if the pastor showed that he struggles with that too? I, I, I and when I was I I served. Um, a congregation that that wonderful wonderful people. One of the one of the people inside had one one time said, "Pastor, um, you allow your human to show too often." As if that was a bad thing, right? But that that was the claim of you're you're not showing yourself to be this holy person that we thought you were, and and so I guess my my question is, if that is a maybe that is within reason, of course, maybe that's a good thing though that the pastor shows his people that he struggles just like they struggle or that he doesn't have all the answers like they don't have all the answers. Um, but yet he's bold enough to in, encourage the conversation even when he can, he, even when he has to step back and say, I might not be right on this. Um, or I, this is my opinion from what I have studied and I can be wrong and it's okay that I can be wrong. <clears throat> Do you or think I have that, to get back to you. Or, or I really hate that statement, um, <laughs> mostly because you don't get back to them. Or no, no, it's not that at all. Um, the the thing that I, that makes me hate that statement so often is, and and this is just my own prejudice. Um, when I was growing up and I was going into Bible studies, and I I I hated. Okay, dear Sunday school teachers, I'm not saying I hate you as Sunday school teachers. I love you as Sunday school teachers. Keep doing that. I hated Sunday school when I was a kid. <laughs> I, I just did. So I would sit in Bible studies with my mom. I, instead of going to Sunday school, I would I would always sit in the adult Bible study, and I loved engaging in those adult Bible studies. I was a weird kid. But one of the things that drove me nuts, and, and this is maybe my stigma, <clears throat> one of the things that drove me nuts is that the pastor would always say, whenever questions started to fly, I mean, when they really started to fly and people were really, I mean, you could see that, that the blood pressure was amping up and people were in, I mean, that's the best time to engage with your people when their blood pressure is high. Um, and, and things were starting to really start rocking and rolling in the Bible study. All of a sudden I get this, we would get this, well, I don't have an answer to that and I'll have to get back to you. And it's like instantly everything died. And, and, and it wasn't just once, it was numerous times. And and yes, he would get back and he, and privately he would answer that question. But I found that to be a killer on any type of conversation. Um, and and then the first thing I thought when I started when I started getting into the ministry was, I know that there are going to be times when I may have to say that because I can't know everything. And this is how my brain works. So go with it. But if I can circumvent that and I can and I can know my people enough to say, I'm pretty sure so-and-so is going to ask this question or I'm pretty sure this is going to be the way they're going to lead it, I should prepare for that so I don't have to do that. Well, I'm going to take the other side of that one because I really, if, if someone is asking a question or the, the question is getting heated and I see a danger where the conversation is going, but I'm not exactly confident as to my answer. I'll say I'll get back to you just so, so that the it doesn't go down a path. I don't give an answer that's wrong. I guess for me as a as a pastor, I would rather say I'll get back to you rather than be wrong because of the, the heat of the moment calls for me to say something. So, but on the other hand, I won't do it privately. I'll do it publicly. I'll say, "Oops, last last week we talked about this. Now we're going to resolve it." And here here's the scripture 
or I'll even put that in the bulletin. We, we were talking about this last week. We're going to talk about this in Bible class on, on Sunday just because of the, the, the heat of the moment, calling for the pastor to act, and the pastor may be like, I need to make sure I, I say this correctly rather than wound somebody's conscience or rather than um, uh, be unfaithful to the word of God in the confessions. Well, and I agree, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with the way that you handle it. I'm just saying that the, in my own mind, like I said, it's probably my own prejudice <laughs> because of how I saw it play out. Um, that it really affected me because that's that's what we would always get. Sure. Um, you'd get off the worksheet, and people would start saying, "I really want to pursue this. I really want to ask this," and it would always, "Well, I'll have to get back to you." And it's like, you know, okay, so so yeah, so dear listener, we have two different approaches for this this approach, and I think you see. We're, we both have a pastoral heart. Yeah. Will's heart is, I want to make sure that we actually discuss this topic. My heart is more of trying to protect God's word and the scriptures. Neither way is wrong. It's just the approach because ministry is about people, um, not just the person sitting there in in Bible class, but also the pastor himself and knowing our weaknesses, knowing our strengths. Uh, and I do want to say that I, I also want to protect scripture too. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I don't want you to think that, oh, well, you know, Pastor Rudot wants to protect Scripture, sure. and Pastor Harley doesn't. He just wants to. I just want to say my opinion. No, that is not it at all. I, I also want to protect Scripture, and that's why I say, I, you know, I, I do try to scour every possible area and say, okay, what does Scripture say in this area? But I do the work where, you, where, where some people, and that's fine. Do the work. Say, okay, this came up. I'm going to do the work, and then I'm going to. We're going to come back around to it. Mm. Um, I'm more of. I'm going to. I put that same work in on the other end, and and then sometimes it's like, okay, well, I put a lot of work, work. into this, and no one answered that question, <laughs> and then you're kind of offended because you're like, why didn't anybody answer that question? Oh yeah, my style of thought would. I would never be, get a Bible class done if I did that. If I prepared for every <laughs> contingency because of my brain, just I'll just be sitting there saying, "Well, they might ask about this, or they might ask about that," and I have to put a cap on it and say, "Okay, just just do what you can. Uh, you have this amount of time to prepare for it, and if it comes up, it comes up. You can look at it next week." And but I think you know that's again two different people, and that's what makes ministry such a wonderful, a wonderful aspect is because you have two different people who approach this preparation in, in two different ways. And so I, and, and we, wow, we got way off topic. Um, we Bible talking, study was a, was a topic. So. Right. But, but we were talking about stigma. Um, and so there is a stigma. Yes, I get it. Um, that, that can be fostered in both or that can be present in both. Um, the discussion I, I guess comes back down to as we, we're getting close to the, to the end of time is, is there a right or wrong for a, a small group? Um, you know, St. John, uh, we have, uh, um, I don't know if you'd call it a small group. It's a lady-led ladies' Bible study. And um, and your grief share. And our grief share. So we do have two. And and I am a, a part of it in the sense that I help uh, for the ladies. I, I go through all their materials before they choose a topic. And I say, okay, this one is good. This one, I would be cautious, uh, you know, reword this or re relook at that. And then when usually when they show up, I'm standing out there greeting them and saying hi, how you know, whatever. And then I kind of let them do their thing, and it and it works. So, I, I it works. I, I know who leads the Bible study. I I have no problems talking with her. Um, and the one who leads grief share, I have no problems talking with her. Um. But I don't know. I, there's something about it. If it gets bigger than that, um, I, I don't know if that would if it would spiral out of control. And maybe that's just my my own fears. Um, so I, I so that I can see the I can see a benefit in both because you know I'll sit in my office and they're out there chuckling and they're out there and there's this closeness and I get it and that's that's wonderful. Um, but I I kind of fostered that I think in regular Bible study too because I come in and I spend half you know ten minutes five you know five to ten minutes saying okay now let's quiet down because they're all interacting with each other. Mm -hmm. Um, so so I mean I think they can be fostered in both. Uh, any final thoughts that you have on on this whole thing? Final thoughts. My final thought was based off of Hebrews ten verses twenty four to twenty five. 
Here it says, And let us consider how to stir one uh, stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as in the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. As we are wrestled with Bible class and small group Bible study, I think we are, whether you have a small group Bible study or whether you have a, a, a big group Bible study, what are you doing? You're considering how to stir one another up to love and good deeds, not just stir one another up just to get each other excited, but to serve your neighbor and to serve your community, to cast those nets out into the world, whether it's the, the nets of the congregation, casting that nets, or you in your personal life as well.